There is so much in these readings, but we're only going to focus on one single thing, and that is the rejection of the invitation to the wedding banquet in the gospel. The king sends out this invitation to like a chosen few, and he invites them to receive this honor, to enjoy this party. He's not asking them to work. He's not asking for gifts. He's not demanding anything from them. He's just inviting them to, to this joyful thing. And they ignore the invitation or reject the invitation. So, you know, we spend most of our lives thinking from our perspective toward God. But we're, what, we're, what I want you to do, what we're going to try to do is to step into God's perspective in this, to try to understand what's going on here in their, in their ignoring and rejecting the invitation. So the Lord looks at humanity and he says, come to me, share my joy. I want to satisfy your heart. I want to heal your wounds. I will give peace finally to your souls. I will raise you from the dead. This is what we heard in, in the first two readings, the, the reading from Isaiah and, and the Psalm. Psalm 23 is probably the best known Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. But he says to us, I will lead you to rest, to green pastures by sweet water. I will always be with you. And then in Isaiah, we heard about God's holy mountain where he feeds his people with the richest food and the sweetest drink. And there's no more conflict and sorrow and tears are wiped away and there's no more war on this God's holy mountain. He says to his people, I delight in you. I want to overwhelm you with love. I made you for freedom and joy. And so, so the Lord speaks this to us and then the response that he receives, it comes in different forms, but it's, it usually sounds something like this. I'm good. I already have what I need. Or, okay, that sounds pretty good, but what's the catch? And there's suspicion. Or, okay, it sounds pretty good. I'm, I'm leaning in the direction of saying yes, but what if I change my mind? And then there's like this, this holding on to control. Probably the most common, okay, but also the most tragic is this response where we say, you almost had me, but that is too good to be true. No, thank you. Goodbye. This is, uh, this is what, we, what the Lord is getting at in the Gospel of John, when in chapter 1 and chapter 3, he says, the Word became flesh and entered the world, and he came to his own, but his own did not accept him. Or when it says, the light has come into the world, the light which is the life of humanity, but the people preferred to live in darkness. The Lord understands, because he sees to, to, to the bottom of our hearts, the Lord understands the, the reason why there's this ignoring of the invitation or reject, rejecting of the invitation is because we, we can approach the Lord with the caution of a frightened animal. So if you've seen an animal who has been mistreated or abused or starved or something, then you can be the kindest, warmest person. You can mean only good things for this animal, but it will not quickly trust you. Even, even when animals have not been mistreated, it, it, it can take time until they come around. I just remember our, our own dog, it, when we brought him home, you know, he came in a little kennel, and it took three days for him to, uh, to be able to leave the kennel with us, with us in the room. So there's, when, when you do this, and some people are really good at this, about like reaching out to frightened animals, cautious animals, 
you know, you have to sort of approach them directly. You don't look into their eyes. You just kind of move up slowly. You offer them something good like food or a treat. You just like, you're just quiet and peaceful with them. And eventually, eventually they find out through your coaxing and gentleness, okay, it's, it's all right, I can come out. So this is the approach that the Lord takes to us also. He says, my people, look what sin has done to you. You live like orphans or like slaves because you have been manipulated and abused. And worst of all, you have lost your ability to receive love and joy freely. He says, I long to embrace you and to take away your fear, but we still cower, we still hold back because we say we must be careful and we must be realistic. But what we mean is that uh, we must protect ourselves. We must not be fooled or taken advantage of. We must get what we can and make our own way. So actually, I, I couldn't resist this, but there's a, if you know the, the movie or the musical, Les Mis, you know, there's this song, I Dreamed a Dream. And some of the words in that song actually are exactly what we're talking about. This woman sings, there was a time when the world was a song, then it all went wrong. And the song ends with, life has killed my dream. So this, this happens to all of us, and sometimes we take it as, a, as just like a, the normal course of events as we grow up. We say, I used to dream. I don't know what your dreams consisted of. Sometimes it's like knights and dragons, or adventure, or goodness, or magic, or, or whatever. But we say as we age, I used to dream, but then I grew up, and I realized it was just a fairy tale. I realized I was a fool. Now I live in reality. When God speaks, of course we hold back. Because we're afraid. And he sees this more than we do. But the one thing greater and more wonderful than anything you have ever heard or dreamed of or that has excited you or, or, or lifted your heart, the one thing greater than anything you have ever read in any fairy tale, the gospel of Jesus is actually true. It is not a myth. It is not a fairy tale. And if it is true, then we do not have to fear. And we do not, we, we do not have to fear even death or suffering. If it's true, then we don't have to crush our dreams because they're unrealistic and infantile. If it's true, we don't have to limit our expectations to avoid disappointment and pain. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, unless you turn and become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It isn't because we have to pass some test or fit a mold or anything like that, but because unless we have the hearts of little children, when the invitation comes to joy and abundance and life, we will say, I almost believed you, but I know better. And we will ignore or reject the invitation. So this is the way that the Lord works then, because he sees the problem. The Lord works gently, to coax us, to assure us, even to woo us who are so apprehensive, to win us over and to overcome our fear. So let us be won over by his goodness and by his love that is really, truly beyond our wildest dreams. The invitation, to go back to the gospel, the invitation is to give up the garment of orphans and to put on the wedding garment of the beloved. This is what we sang in the psalm several times. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
It means we have to give up our own home, which is full of tears, which is a, which is a hard and, and you know, defensible place so that we can live in the house of the Lord to enjoy his holy mountain. Now, and this is the last thing, this is the place. This is the mountain of the Lord here in church at Mass. This is the house of the Lord that we're invited to, to enter into, enjoy like little children. As we enter, we put on the garment of the beloved for the wedding feast. This is the wedding feast of the Lamb. We do not have to wait until we die and go to heaven to begin this life that the Lord invites us to. It starts now. So I, I just want to point this out to you. I don't know how you approach Holy Communion, but hopefully what we've talked about, about our hearts and fears and dreams and the invitation of the Lord, I hope this changes it for you. Like when you, when you come forward for Holy Communion, do, do you look for the Lord that comes in under your fear to destroy your fear and give you the ability to receive love and joy? When you come to Holy Communion, th this is the genius of God and his great care and gentleness for us that the message that he has to overcome our fear, he delivers in little and quiet ways. He speaks through a nobody so that you might listen, so that you won't be intimidated or afraid by the call that he gives you. And then he comes to you in something that is so easy to miss, that looks like bread. He comes to you to slip past our thick walls and our fearfulness, to come in and to give us pure love and joy. This is the way that the Lord approaches us because otherwise we would run away because he wants to overcome our fear because, because he desires us to be with us always. So as you approach Holy Communion today, I, I just want you to keep this in mind, that this is God gently working to reawaken our hearts to wonder and love and joy.